Amen. Amen. That proves you're at least not asleep yet, and that is good news. Good news indeed. Today we're celebrating still. The children are dismissed to children's church. But today we are still celebrating that our Christ, our Lord, our Jesus Messiah is risen. He is risen indeed. And some of you may notice some of the songs are praising God a lot for that. Still, we started off this morning singing, Christ arose. He is risen from the dead. He's risen from the grave. He's risen from the tomb. And we praise him for that. And I remember when Austin was going over the songs with me for the months, he said, is this okay? I know really Easter was last week. Can we, is it okay to still sing these like traditional Easter songs? I said, of course, yes, let's praise God. We are still celebrating. And we don't stop celebrating just because that day has gone. We continue to celebrate throughout the year, just like we also celebrate throughout the year that Jesus was born to live a perfect human life here and go to that cross for us. There's no reason. Now, um, I know this might not always be true in all your families, but in my family, there's no reason why we can't play a Christmas song every once in a while, even though it's not after Thanksgiving. Because what is it ultimately doing? Chuck shaking his head, no. But ultimately, it's praising God for sending Jesus for us. So you will hear my family from time to time playing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving. In fact, just this last week, I gave a couple records to Mr. Dave Hammond, wherever he is, and they're Christmas records. And he said, I'm not going to play these till after Thanksgiving, or Isabel told me. I said, that's okay. You do whatever. I, just, I saw these in a store on clearance, and I thought of you, and I just wanted to buy them for you. Praise the Lord. We can celebrate every day that God has sent his son, and he lived a perfect human life, sinless, perfect, to be able to go to that cross and to die for us for our sins, being the perfect atonement that we needed, a propitiation for our sins. And we celebrate every day that we have a risen Lord. I see some new faces in here still. We're excited to see you here. And I just wanted to give a little reminder that if you're new here or maybe been coming here for a while and you're thinking the last year or so, I might have moved, I might have gotten a new phone number, I'd like to ask you today to grab one of those welcome cards that's in the pews in front of you and update us with your information. We'd love to have your information to get a hold of you, um, to welcome you, or did you call you when we're having a, a church brunch to ask you to bring an egg, egg bake? Because I love them egg bakes. Today we're going to be in John chapter 1, so you can open up your Bibles there to John chapter 1. As I begin to read, and you don't need to play catch up, we're really going to be in this later today, but I want to read from John 1. 1 to 18, which says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he believed in his name. 
He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What glorious scripture we have to open with today. What amazing, simple, yet profound words we have. And I can't help but read that with enthusiasm, with excitement. I don't know about you, but I just love reading God's word. I hope you all do. I feel like that's an evidence of the spirit within us when we come to know the Lord Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior. As we have the spirit within us and he brings understanding to the reading of his word. And he brings this enthusiasm, this excitement too. My daughter, the other one from the one I was talking about last week that will not be named, but my other daughter... Um, was making fun of me last week because I was in here practicing my sermon on Saturday night and she got stuck here with me while I was doing it. And I was just having fun reading through my sermon, reading the word of God. And, oh, I was getting fast. I was getting loud. But you know what? It's great. It's great that we can enjoy it. Amen? Amen. Amen. John chapter 1. We're going to be in John chapter 1 today as we begin a new sermon series on this book of John, the gospel book of John. Titled, Believe and Live. Believe and Live. And John states his main purpose or a key verse of this book, (coughs) excuse me, in chapter 20, verse 31, where he states, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe and live. Believe in Christ and have eternal life through the eternal son of God. The eternal son of God. In this book series, we're going to be digging deep into this gospel of John, verse by verse for the most part, focusing on Jesus' divinity as revealed in the scriptures here within. You see, I think, I think most of you will agree, whether we want to admit it or not, especially in our own lives, or not just in our own lives, but as you look around the world today as well, we live in a world that loves Jesus as the teacher but doesn't care for him much as a God. In fact, I I need to scratch a word, a God, because Jesus isn't a God, he is the God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Truth is, though, we can't have one without another. We need God the Father. We need God the Son. We need God the Spirit. We need them all. Jesus didn't come simply as a wise man, a teacher, but as both fully God and fully man. And how we react to this truth affects our faith. It affects our, how serious we take our Christian faith together. To accept Christ is to go all in, offering him our entire lives. Believe and live. Believe and live is the main idea of this. Live in him. Live because of him. 
But before we get started in digging into this scripture, and today will be a lot of summary, a lot of building up, a lot of intro to the book of John, but we are going to get to scripture. We're going to start in John chapter 1. But before we get there, let me give you the main idea, the main idea today, the big idea, and also the big application point today. And some of you just love this because if you're writing notes, you got it right here. It's going to be on there for a while too. The big idea today is this. Jesus shows his divinity through his eternal existence. In fact, you can even add a three-letter word to the beginning of that. Jesus shows his divinity through his eternal pre-existence because his existence goes pre any knowledge that we can comprehend or or understand, as this word we're getting into later says, was in the beginning, not is in the beginning, not is created at the beginning, but he was in the beginning. The main application point here is this. Jesus isn't just a good teacher to listen to from time to time. Jesus Christ, he is God. He is divine, and he deserves the full devotion of our lives. He deserves your fullness as we have his fullness. Let me say that again. He deserves our fullness as we receive his fullness. We don't deserve his fullness, but he gives his fullness to us freely And what glorious news we have there. Because of this, we can trust him in everything. We should. We are to trust him in everything as God, as Lord. But as I said, I think too often we look around the world. And I think you can even see in a lot of modern movies today, in a lot of actors and actresses and musicians and their words and their movies and the news, you hear people speak of Jesus. You hear people speak of God's word. But so often it's just spoke of like a teacher, like a wise, a wise parable. But Jesus is more than that. Jesus is Lord. We just went through the Easter season. As I said, we are celebrating that still today. And I hope you celebrate that with me every single day of the year. We look to our Lord Jesus, the coming King. We look to the cross of Jesus and we celebrate his resurrection. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate his victory. And the book of John has more to say about the resurrection and about Jesus Christ than almost any other book of the Bible. It's exciting. It's exciting. We need to see Christ. And as we move forward in the book of John, you're going to see Christ a lot. We need to see Christ, but we need to see him in a new and divine way. So I hope you go on this adventure. I hope you go on this archaeological dig with me as we dig through God's word and discover him in new and divine ways. There are all types of views of Christ. And many of them, most of them are true. If you see him from God's word, they're all true. But we must also see him as fully God, divine. Each book of the Bible, each each book of the gospel speaks to him a little bit differently. I wanted to give you this intro as we go into John. Matthew, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I don't have it on the screen. But as we look to the gospels, we see Matthew emphasizes Jesus' kingship. He is king. Matthew emphasizes or shows that Jesus came from Abraham through David and demonstrates that he is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. And we see this Jesus introduced in Matthew 1, 1 to 17, as we see the the genealogy of Jesus. We see this king coming up, prophesied king. Then Mark, Mark, Mark shows Jesus coming from Nazareth, and it demonstrates that Jesus is a servant. 
Mark 1, 9 helps to illustrate this. In Mark, we see the servant Jesus. In Luke, Luke shows his manhood, showing Jesus came from Adam and demonstrating that Jesus is the perfect man. In John, John here shows something different. John has been used by many. In fact, I have witnessing Bibles um, or witnessing books called the Life Book. They used to give them away free by the caseload when I was a youth pastor. They would ask, how many, how many of these Life Books do you want? And I'd say, well, we have a youth group, about 30. Why don't you give me like 50 of them so that, so that we have enough for one for every kid? And they'd say, oh, no, we're going to send you 1,000. Because we want every kid to have these, but then we want every kid to have like, I don't know whether it would be like 10 or 20 to hand off to people. The life book is based off the book of John. Because it's so focused on knowing Jesus as Lord, as the Son of God, believe and live. John is known as a very simple book to read. And that's why so many recommend John as the first book for new believers or for anybody to start reading. But... It's also profound. It's profound in its th- our thoughts. I've wrote down its thoughts. John shows his godhood. Jesus came from heaven demonstrating that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John wrote that the story of Jesus is so big that it can never be completed. John 21, 25 uh, speaks of this. And we need every one of these gospel books and more to be able to understand more and more each day. One past theologian stated of this book of John that it touches the heart of Christ. The book of John touches the heart of Christ. Another theologian, of which Dr. J. Vernon McGee quotes and then expands, expounds upon the thought, he says, John excels in the depths of divine mysteries. And Dr. J. Vernon McGee states, but, or adds, that no truer statement has ever been made. Now, I want to give you a, some of you a gasp moment of, oh, Pastor Chuck has never heard of Dr. J. Vernon and McGee. And guess what? Chuck, you are driving with me on a three-and-a-half-hour drive today to Bertram, Minnesota for a pastor's conference, and we're going to listen to some Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I just love his voice. I wish I had a distinguished, um, recognizable voice like him. I've got some more for you before we get into this book. So don't, don't fall asleep on me. These are powerful. This, is, this sets up the book so well. You see, where the first three Gospels focus more on what Jesus taught and did, the book of John focuses on who Jesus is. And as we do this, we get to see his miraculous signs. But it's just as we see this, we're, we're getting this better understanding, the profound thoughts of who Jesus is. John gives us something more, something more spiritual, something more spiritually deep, something which enables us to grow. And all of Scripture enables us to grow. But we also need to go into the deep, deep thoughts. Thoughts of Romans, thoughts of Revelation, thoughts of John, thoughts of of Deuteronomy, thoughts of all God's Word. Don't avoid the hard stuff. And that involves, also includes the genealogies. For all of this edifies God's saints. All of this is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for building up his people. I pray that each time we turn to God's word, and especially here to John, that our image of Christ is growing. Our image of Christ is growing. Let me share with you an illustration I found this week, and I love this idea. You see, I pray 
that our idea, our image of Christ is ever growing, becomes bigger and bigger every time we open up the book of John. Something like, here's the illustration, something like Lucy's experience with the lion, Aslan, in the Christ symbol in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. Who here has ever read that book, seen that movie? I love that movie. I love that book. And I think you'll be able to picture this scene. It's very memorable. As Lucy gazes into the large, wise face of the great lion Aslan, it went something like this. He says, welcome, child. I almost got Jonathan Fossum or Pastor Eldon or Dwayne or somebody with this loud, good, booming voice come up here and read the lion, the lion Aslan's voice and then have a young girl um, up here to read Lucy's voice, but I'll do my best. <laughs> it went something like this. Welcome, child, Aslan said. Aslan, said Lucy. You're bigger. You're bigger, she said. That is because you're older, little one, he answered. I am not bigger, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Now, that's an interesting thought because really, as you grow, normally somebody would not seem as big to you. But in this way, as she grows and she becomes more mature in her thoughts, she's able to see just how big he is. And that's my prayer for us, is that as we work through this great book, the simple yet profound words within, and as we grow more spiritually mature in this knowledge of Christ, that we will find Christ bigger, bigger, and bigger each time we open up his word. The words of John may be known as simple, but they are truly profound. Some refer to it as the most profound words in the Bible. And John has been called, I love this quote, a pool in which a child may wade, yet an elephant may swim. One commentator states, its stories are so simple that even a child will love them, but its statements are so profound that no philosopher can truly fathom them. And in chapter 1, verse 1, yes, we're getting ready to read and get into the scripture here. I hope you've enjoyed the intro. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Verses 1 to 18, it's been known as a great prologue, but it also reads like a poem, like poetry, like prose. And some in the past have even referred to John 1, 1 to 18, as a great hymn, a great hymn. It relates to Genesis as it describes creation, but here we also find the creator, Jesus, the word described in the beginning was the word. Let me read. Listen as I read John 1, and we're going to focus on just 1 to 5 today because I just knew there's so much, so much profound thought within this that I just couldn't get through it in one day. And nobody ever complains if we get to Sunday school early and you get to hear Mr. Larry go on for an hour and a half instead of an hour, right? Listen as I read John 1, 1 to 5. I hope you have that open by now. John 1, 1 to 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Profound, isn't it? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Notice first, the revelation of the word of God. That's what we're speaking of today. We're speaking of the word of God. Now, we're not speaking simply of words on a page of paper. The word here we're speaking of is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. And as we read through this book of John, and even just this great prologue, this great poetry, this great introduction, it's, it's impossible not to see Jesus in this, especially John 1.14 as it details more. Right up front in this gospel, this book of John, we see John establishing the eternal nature and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as divine. Yes, we're already seeing a lot of characteristics about our Lord Jesus Christ that we don't generally think of. I don't know about you, but I know myself, and as I know as I talk to a lot of you, or as I talk to people in the world, I often hear people talk about Jesus the Savior, Jesus our servant, Jesus, the great teacher, the great prophet, the promised one, the king. But how often do we talk about his divinity? How often do we talk about him being God? Him being at the beginning, in the beginning, was in the beginning. We're seeing a lot. And some of this we're not going to fully comprehend, but we're going to attempt to comprehend it in our human natures that we're in now. We're going to pray that God helps us to understand then we're going to look forward to the future. We'll be in his presence. Well, let's get to number one. You see, the main idea today is this. We're talking about the greatness of Christ as the word of God. And starting with number one, we see that Christ is eternally pre-existent. Christ is eternally pre-existent. John 1.1 says, it tells us, in the beginning was the word. And don't just skip over words too fast because there's meaning in every single word. In fact, Jessica will often point out to Chuck and I that if we leave out one word, it just messes up the whole email, doesn't it, Chuck? <laughs> or misspelled. Words matter. And here it says, in the beginning was the word. There never was a time when Christ did not exist. He was not from the beginning, but in the beginning. This means he was before it all. He was already there. There's nothing here of the word of Christ being created here. He was here already. He was before all of it, not the first of all of it, but he was preceding all of it. He is not created here. He is the creator here. As one theologian states, he is the author and finisher of everything created. He is the author and finisher of everything created. I'm told in Greek that in the Greek here, there is the meaning here of continuing. The word Christ was continuing with God. You can write that down in your notes. Christ continues. Christ continues. The idea continues throughout the scripture here as well, such as we can add that word continuing here to see that in the beginning was continuing the word. He was continuing from where he already was existing and creating it's just now we're seeing him. We're seeing this revelation of the word of Christ. In the beginning was continuing the word. And the word was continuing with God. And the word was continually God. Like I said, simple yet profound. 
when you really think about it. The idea is that the word existed before creation or even time. Jesus Christ is eternally pre-existent. He always was and was continually there. Colossians 1.17 tells us that he is before all things and in him all things are held together. Next, speaking of the greatness of Christ as the word of God, number two, number two for your notes is this. The word Christ is eternally in relationship. Christ is eternally in relationship. He is and was continually relational. And spoiler alert, we're talking about with God, but he also is eternally relational with his children, with his people. He desires a relationship with all of us, with all of us. Scripture says here, again, looking to the word, it says the word was with God, with God. The Father God and the Son God, both divine, were continually together, face to face in a way. The word here, with, with, it indicates a closeness. It indicates a relationship. If I state that I am with my wife, I'm there in her presence, I'm with her. I'm not far away. Here we see that there is an intimacy between the members of the Trinity. Next, we're going to work through this here. Next, we see, speaking of the greatness of Christ, the word of God, Christ himself, number three, the word Christ is eternally God. Eternally God. He is divine. The word continually was, he is, he always has been, and he always wills be, will be. The word Christ, Christ is eternally in a relationship with the Father. And now here, the number three, he, the word of God, Christ, eternally divine, he's also stated that he is eternally God. Scripture here says, without a doubt, the word was God. Now again, saying was God isn't to say that he was, but he is no longer. The word was here can be interpreted as continually is God. The meaning of this word is that he was God in every way imaginable, both in essence and character, though he was a separate person from God the Father. One commentator states this, he says, everything that can be said about God the Father can also be said about God the Son, such as in Jesus dwells all the wisdom, glory, power, love, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth of the Father. In him, God the Father is known. Jesus has a separate identity, yet his own divine nature is God himself as well, and this scripture profoundly preserves that for us. Next, speaking number four, and I know some could spend, well, there has been entire books on this, entire commentary sets on this, entire sermon series just on this one section of scripture, but I told my wife last night that this is going to be approximately a 22-week sermon series. And she said, well, you might as well just right now say 44-week series. <laughs> we're going to take some breaks for holidays, but I don't think there's that many in there, so we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Next, speaking number four, Christ is, the Word of God is eternally our Creator. The creator. Jesus is the creator of the universe. And here in John, we are told that all things are made through him. Again, this is straight from your word that's in front of you. And in John chapter 1, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. How do we know all this is true? 
Well, one is the Bible. One is obviously the word of God. But it's not just that. It's the eyewitness accounts passed on from generation to generation to generation. And not just that, but your own eyewitness account that you cannot walk throughout the world without recognizing the creator that created it all. His greatness, his majesty, the power of his creation. There's another church member in here. I'm using a lot of examples today, and I apologize if it embarrasses you, but I won't use a name this time. And he was telling me that he went to Alabama recently. Some of you might know who I'm talking about now. And this man was looking out at the ocean or at the scenery, wherever they were, and he said, how can you not know, how can you not recognize that there is a creator? That this is a magnificent design. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact words, but... We all know there is a creator, and that creator is Jesus. That creator is God. Colossians 1, 16 to 17 goes on to say, Colossians 1, 16 to 17, that by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, but don't miss this, and for him, and for him. Revelation 4.11 states powerfully, I love this verse, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their very being. Their very being. You see, everything that's created has its purpose. And that includes you. That includes you. So many people in the world today that are hurting, and they just need to hear that. They need to hear that you were created and have your being, have your purpose. And that purpose is found in the will of God. That purpose is found in his word. That purpose is found in your identity in him as his child. But we must all trust in him. Trust in him. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. And then in John 10, 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. That's, that's cutting it off. There's so much great truth to be read right before that and right after that. But where does this all take us? It takes us to this application again brings us back to the beginning. Jesus isn't just a good teacher that we should listen to from time to time, occasionally. Jesus Christ, he is God. He is divine. He is eternally divine, preexistent. He is relational. He is the creator. And he deserves a full devotion of our lives. Christ, the word of God, can be trusted with everything. He is the Son of God, divine, eternally preexistent, and we should believe and live and trust in Him. John 20, 31 again says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. But read that whole scripture. Take it all in. See the profoundness. See the simplicity. Don't skip over words. He is the Messiah, but he is also the Son of God. And you may believe in him and have life in his name. Give him your trust. See your value that he places in your life. The Son of God gives life. Just as he is eternal, you may have eternal life with him. So trusting in him as Lord. B. 
Because he is creator, he knows just what his creation, his people need. Trust in him for everything. Trust in him for everything. Let's work to close with a story I recently read and just a few follow-up thoughts. The story goes like this. Some of you may have heard this idea before, this story before. It's quite powerful, though, in the light of what we're talking of. It goes like this. A friend of Henry Ford, a mechanic, an auto mechanic, who knew the car's motor so well that if it broke down, he could fix it in his mind. It's about him. The story states that one day the assembly line broke down in the Ford plant, and no one could fix it. But then they called this man, this genius of a man, he tinkered for just a few minutes. Must have been a farmer. They're good at tinkering, right, and fixing stuff. He tinkered for just a few minutes, and then it was fixed. A few days later, a massive bill was received. The story says $10,000. And Henry Ford wrote back to this man and said, don't you think the bill is a bit high for just a few minutes of tinkering? Well, the reply by his friend was this. A new bill was for the description of the services rendered, and it says, tinkering, $10. Knowing where to tinker, $9,990. Here's the thought which makes that kind of profound to our scripture today. You see, Jesus is the master mechanic, a genius. He is the creator, the savior, eternally preexistent, eternally relational with God the Father, and he also desires a relationship with every single one of us. Only Jesus knows where the tinkering must be done in, able, in order to get our lives back on track and where they're supposed to be. He knows the perfect way to live and wants to help you to have this righteous living that only he may provide. He wants to tinker with our lives to give us a peace with the Father that we can ne never gain through our own works. We need Jesus. My question to you is this. Are you resting in the greatness of Christ, the divine word of God? Are you resting in his tinkering? Or are we trying to tinker with our own lives to get something that, and fix something that we'll never be able to fix? No YouTube video. Sorry, Eldon, I know you fixed your dryer this week with YouTube videos, but we can't fix ourselves with YouTube. Not with Google, not with duct tape, not with any nuts or bolts. We need Jesus. This week's assignment for you, yes, you have an assignment, is simple. Accept Christ. Don't reject Christ. See him. See the light. See the illumination that he brings to your life. Don't reject his life. Accept the life. And the assignment is this. Consider the greatness of Christ in being not just a great servant, not just a king, not just some perfect man which came and lived and died and rose again but see him as being divine. See him as being God in desiring a relationship with his created. Trust in him in everything. Worship Christ, the word, the word in all his divinity, not just as a teacher. He is living. He is an infinite source of wisdom. He came down from glory to live among humanity. He, the word of God, Jesus came out of heaven's glory the one who was before and was with God in the beginning, he came to tinker with our lives for the good. And you know what? He didn't send a $10,000 bill. He did it all for free. He paid the price. We're going to continue to look to this scripture to John for approximately 22 to 44 weeks. 
I hope you come and dig into this scripture with me. We're going to close in prayer. We have one final song, and I'd love to invite you to come to Sunday school with us. We have many options. Find somebody, ask. And if, if you're new here or if your information has changed recently, we want to make sure this phone book is accurate. Please fill out the welcome card, and we'd love to, to contact you. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word, both, both the word in front of us in the Bible and the word which is Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you that he is preexistent, always was and always is and always will be. We thank you that he is eternally relational. Lord, and we thank you for what we see in him as the creator. We thank you for this idea of him tinkering with our life, but doing it for free. But Lord, to do this, we must trust in him for everything, in everything, as our everything. Lord, we just pray now, may we continually trust in you, trust in him, trust in the triune God within us. Guide us, give us the direction we need, illuminate our life with his life. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Please stand. Let's worship together.
are dismissed.